Welcome to the podcast for Lansing Avenue Baptist Church in Jackson, Michigan. This is Pastor Steve Sebring. I'd like to thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the message here. This will be in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 through 22. Uh, before we get to that, I'd like to encourage you to get to know us through our Facebook page. Just search for Lansing Avenue Baptist Church uh, or through our website, labcjackson.org. Both of these have places where you can contact us, uh, email and phone number. You can give us a prayer request, uh, ask questions, you can find out information, you can just see how we might be a help to you in your walk with Christ. And we would uh, love to get to know you, and there are loving folks here ready to come alongside you in your life, in your walk with Christ. All right, we are here in 1 Peter chapter 3, and... Things have been a little strange with our, our schedule, so I'm just going to talk through this passage with you here. And this coming Sunday, we plan to actually be back in in person. Uh, if you would like to see what we had done in the meantime, we switched over from uh, this podcast or the audio format into I uh, did a few video messages. You can find those on our Facebook page, and I may actually put those up on our YouTube channel as well. But you can check out those. We actually were in the books of uh, Jonah and Haggai on the Sundays, and a few other devotionals there as well. And I'm sure those can be an encouragement to you. Uh, but again, First Peter chapter three, starting in verse 18. In this passage, we're going to learn. We're going to be challenged. To do what Peter gets to here in, actually in chapter 4, verse 1, which is what we'll look at in the next message, where he says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. And this thought of arming yourself with the mindset of Christ when it comes to suffering is what Peter is trying to encourage this church to do, or this group of churches, I should say, as there are, are, are a number of churches who receive this letter that they were to approach their persecutions, their suffering, like Christ approached his suffering. Before this, he had told the church that it's much better for them to go through hardship because they're living righteously than it is for them to deal with hardship because they're living unrighteously. And he's going to encourage them with Christ as the perfect example of that. And so we're going to look at Christ's suffering to see how that ought to encourage us to arm ourselves with this mindset of Christ, that we would patiently and faithfully go through suffering righteously, rather than trying to run from it, rather than trying to manipulate our way out of it, rather than running from God because of it, but that we would patiently and faithfully follow our God wherever he takes us, and that we would live out his word whatever may be the results in this life, knowing that our, our loving and perfect Savior is a perfect example of that faithfulness and that patience that we are to display in good times and bad. And so arm yourself with that mindset of Christ. And we're going to see a couple of reasons for that here in these verses. Again, chapter 3, verses 18 through 22. Starting in verse 18, we'll see that that first reason is that we have to arm ourselves with the mindset of Christ is because Christ suffered to bring us to God. Verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, 
being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. That we have here uh, Jesus' suffering put on, on display for us as an example, showing us why he suffered, and showing that this was, though he was perfectly righteous, he still went through it patiently and faithfully for a wonderful cause. That Jesus suffered once for sins to bring us to God. And we're going to look here at the different parts of this. It says first here that, that Christ also suffered once for sins. That his perfection, the fact that he is sinless, the Son of God, allowed him to go through this suffering one time and accomplish the goal of that suffering in that one time. That being that his holiness allowed him to die on the cross and take the place of you and me and to, to pay for our sin all at once. To die once for all. As we see uh, in Hebrews 10, talks about the, the Old Testament sacrifices, how they were a shadow of things to come, how they look forward to this perfect sacrifice. Because those sacrifices would have to be offered over and over and over again, but Jesus' sacrifice was once and for all. Uh, this is Hebrews 10, verses 11 through 14. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. That we have Jesus in all of his perfection, being that one sacrifice that all the old sacrifices look forward to. And the one we look back to as God accomplishing his goal of satisfying his wrath when Jesus took on that wrath on the cross, when he took on my guilt and my debt when he died for sins. And so we see here again, that is him suffering once for sins in his all of his righteousness, that he is allowed to, this is what allows him to bring us from being, as we'll see next, the... Uh, the unjust to now being justified, to being righteous alongside Christ our Savior. Because see, he died once for sins, or suffered once for sins. It's back in verse 18. The next thing it says is the just for the unjust. Jesus is the just. He is perfect, blameless, sinless. And he, in his, all of his holiness, he went to the cross, not because he failed in any way, because he was perfectly righteous. The just was on the cross. And he died for the unjust. That would be you and me, sinners, people who have uh, sinned against God in word or thought or deed. And in fact, just we come into this world as sinners. Paul in Second Corinthians 5, verse 21, one of my personal favorite verses, I have many of them, but this is one of them, says, For he made him who knew no sin, Jesus without any sin, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We were the unjust, separated from God, dead in our sins, but Jesus took our place. He's the just, he's the righteous one, the holy one, and he in all of his holiness takes our place. The righteous for the unrighteous, the, the just for the unjust. And he does this so that he might bring us to God. Again, Ephesians 2, there at the beginning of that chapter, 
tells us that we are dead in our sins and trespasses, that we have, we have nothing to offer. We have no spiritual strength to come to God, but he quickened us. He made us alive. We'll be so thankful that God brings us to him through Christ, through his death on our behalf, and as we'll see also his resurrection conquering death, so that we might, through faith, be forgiven. Because all that is required of us isn't any sort of work on our our behalf, any giving, church attendance, Bible reading, all that stuff. The only thing that brings us forgiveness is faith in Christ who died for us and rose again. And Jesus accomplished that work in his death in paying for my sin and accomplished victory over death so that if I simply trust in him, I am forgiven. I am made whole. I have a home in heaven forever and a wonderful family I'm now a part of because I've been adopted into God's family as a fellow heir with Christ. And these are wonderful things to be encouraged by. And this really simple, short, but profound statement here by Peter Again, verse 18, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Saying here that he was put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. That we see here that he was dead in his flesh. He really did die. This wasn't just a show or something like death. He actually physically died, and he was risen again, made alive by the Spirit. And in this, he has accomplished what he set out to do. His, his suffering is going to be unique in these ways, in its purpose and in what it has accomplished. But he is still an example for us in suffering. Again, he is holy, he is righteous. That has never changed. But still, he suffered. That he took on this awful form of, of punishment and execution for you and for me. And he did that with patience and with faithfulness. We can see in the, the garden as Jesus prays that he does express you know, a desire to the Father, if, if it's your will, let this cup pass from me. Uh, but he's very clear to say, if it's your will. You know, uh, your will, not mine. It was his, his heart, his attitude there. So we ought to be encouraged by Jesus' example that he looked to the Father, he, he trusted the Father, he followed faithfully the Lord's plan for him, as you and I are to do. And we're to arm ourselves with that mindset. That I serve my God above all else. I serve the one who has provided forgiveness for me above all else. I, and I will go through whatever this life has for me, whatever the Lord allows me to go through, and I will go through it faithfully and patiently, continuing to live righteously that I won't allow it to push me away from my God. I won't allow it to uh, push me to live selfishly or to to run from God or to uh, seek out temporal uh, relief. But I will serve my God faithfully, dependent on him, trusting him, and continuing to live obediently and righteously, even if that means suffering, persecution, difficulty. So this is that mindset we're to arm ourselves. We're to do that because Jesus went through that suffering so that you and I can know him. And we're encouraged in that here by, by Peter. Now the, the rest of this uh, 
this section I'm looking at here, which is 18 through 20, gets into some interesting uh, stuff here. Is there are a couple of parts of this passage that many people find great difficulty with. Really, anybody who reads it finds difficulty with knowing exactly what it is Peter is talking about. And there are different views here that many godly people take. And so we'll look at these and uh, see what we think here. Uh, but picking up there at the end of uh, verse 18, or just going to 19, um, Christ is made alive by the Spirit, by whom also he went and preached to the Spirit's in prison, who formerly were disobedient uh, when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight souls, were saved through water. And so what is it talking about here when when Jesus went down to uh, preach to the spirits in prison? What is the reference? And we see in here also the uh, reference to Noah and his family and the uh, the days of the flood. And we'll talk more about those as we go as well. But uh, what does it mean that he preached to these spirits in prison? And uh, this is difficult, and uh, there are at least a few views here. Uh, could be saying that Jesus spoke to fallen angels between his death and resurrection, or after his resurrection. Uh, another possibility is that Christ spoke through Moses to the people of his day. Uh, and myself, I mean, Good and godly people look at this differently, but I'd kind of slightly lean toward that, the second one. I think it is looking at Christ through Moses preaching to the people of that day, as it took Moses quite a while, a hundred years or so, to, to build the ark. And I'm sure many people thought, what are you doing? And would ask questions, and uh, and he would have opportunities to share the you know, the time that is going to come, and how they needed to trust in God and place their faith in Him and would be able to share the gospel with them. Though we know that eight would eventually uh, be saved through that, and that would be uh, Noah, his wife, his three sons, and their wives. So I think that's what he's he's looking at here, as we see a a possibility of repentance, a possibility of salvation uh, here. As, as that wouldn't quite be the case with uh, you know, demons or fallen angels uh, if it was that sort of discussion. But again, people see that differently, and, and that's just my personal opinion there. And so we have here, again, Jesus died so that people could come to him. And I think this is this reference to Jesus preaching through, through what I think here is Moses is uh, showing us that, that God gives out that word that through faith in him, people can have forgiveness. And Jesus, what he did at that point to be looking forward, and us looking back, what he did was for that purpose. His, his suffering was for man's salvation, was to bring us to God. And so that ought to encourage us, ought to challenge us, ought to make us think about our own life and how we respond to hardship. Will you put on that mindset of Christ, of faithful, patient obedience through suffering because he did that for you, because he is that perfect example for us in his death on our behalf. But it's not just his death, as we'll look here in verses 21 and 22, that we should be motivated by his death, but also we should arm ourselves with the mindset of Christ because Christ saves us through his resurrection. I mentioned before that the gospel has those two parts to it. First, the death of Christ, paying the debt of sin, satisfying the wrath of God on sin. 
but also the resurrection, which has you know, God's victory over death, so that he can offer eternal life. Uh, verse 21. Um, I guess I should back up and explain one thing here that uh, we see there in verse 20, in which a few, that is eight, were, were saved through water, that they, I don't think he's looking at their spiritual salvation, though it certainly is a picture of that. They were physically saved through that water, and I think that leads us into what we're looking at next here, starting at verse 21. There is also an antitype which now saves us. Baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven, is at the right hand of God, uh, angels and authorities and powers having been made subject to him. So again, we are to arm ourselves with the mind of Christ when it comes to suffering, because Christ saves us through his resurrection. After writing that the, the salvation of the salvation of the eight through water, Peter writes here that there's a similar picture of salvation. The ark pictures for us that salvation. Faith was required to be on the ark. Uh, and so we have that picture of faith in, in God leading to salvation. And here's another picture uh, building off of that. At the, we have baptism also involving water, which pictures our salvation. That's uh, here. The anti-type, anti-type which now saves us. Uh, baptism, not the removal of filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. I think here he's pointing to baptism pictures salvation, but it doesn't provide salvation. Uh, Baptism being that picture when we are immersed into water, that picture of Christ's death, that we are, in a sense, picturing and identifying with Jesus in his death, that I am dying with him. And then in rising again out of the water, we are coming back up to new life as Jesus was resurrected. And in that picture, we, we get to see what our salvation is. is. And it's, it's a symbol and a picture. Again, not a, a way of salvation, but a picture of our salvation. And also, we get to see here, really I think what's going on here at the uh, end of this parenthesis here, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. That the baptism or water baptism for us is so important and a a big part of what's going on because God tells us to do it. It's that first step of obedience for a believer to identify with your Savior and to do that publicly. And a, a refusal to go through with that first step of obedience leaves a mark on your, your conscience toward God, leaves a, a problem there in a relationship with God. But following through with that allows you to have that good conscience, to know there's nothing between you and God that you have followed him faithfully. And as believers, we are certainly not perfect. And so it's a a constant thing for us to be making sure that we do have a proper relationship with God, that there is nothing between us and him, that we keep that clean conscience toward God, as Peter's already talked about in his book. But we see here again, that baptism, that water baptism, pictures for us the salvation we have in Christ because we're identifying with him in our death and our resurrection. Romans 6 does this, actually. Um, I'm just going to read Romans 6, 1 through 11 here. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who die to sin live any longer in it? 
Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death. Now just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so also uh, we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died been freed from, has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. For the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Then in this passage, we see how baptism pictures for us the death and resurrection of Christ and the believer's identification with the death and resurrection of Christ. We are now united with Christ. That it's no longer me, but it's, it's me with him. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, that you know, I reason thus that you know, when Christ died, I died. So I no longer live for myself. I live for the one who died for me. And so we have this encouragement for us, and this great picture for us in our water baptism of what we have in our salvation, what has been done for us to provide our salvation. And his resurrection is what allows us to have this newness of life, to walk with Christ, to look forward to eternal life, to a future with our Savior. And we get to see even more of who Jesus is, what he's accomplished and where he is now here also. Uh, I'm just going to start back at 21. Uh, There is also an antitype which now saves us. Baptism. Not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers having been made subject to him. That our Savior is is alive now. He has been resurrected. We serve a risen Savior who has gone into heaven and is the right hand of God. This is a position of power and of strength. And being seated there shows that he has accomplished his, his task, his goal of bringing us to God through his death and resurrection. And angels and authorities and powers, all the spiritual world has been made subject to him. He is over all, all things in heaven and earth. So we serve a risen and powerful Savior. Why should you arm yourself with the mindset of Christ when it comes to suffering? Why should you look at the suffering of your life and go through it with patience, faithfulness, and obedience? We should do that because, one, Jesus is the perfect example, and his death has allowed us to come to God. And because of his resurrection has allowed us to have new life. Through his suffering, he's accomplished so much. And he went through that suffering righteously. So you and I in our suffering, we should go through it righteously. Staying the path of faithfulness and obedience. Living out God's word in our homes, in our work, in our neighborhoods, in our 
you know, just as citizens of wherever God has placed us. Will you arm yourselves with this mindset of Christ to walk patiently and faithfully through this life, to obey the word even when it's tough, even when it's difficult, and have this heart, this attitude that we see in our Savior. That when suffering comes, we're not automatically looking for a way out, but looking for a way to be closer to our God. A way to do what God wants us to do through this suffering. A way for God to use whatever it is that's that's going on. One example we have here is Paul the Apostle in Philippians. He is writing to them under house arrest or in prison awaiting trial. And certainly that wouldn't be a fun situation. But he tells the church in chapter 1 of Philippians that this actually turned out to the furtherance of the gospel. That's in verse 12 of Philippians 1. And later on in chapter 1 he says that he rejoices that Christ is preached, even though some did it to make things worse for him, some did it because they were emboldened by his example. But he was excited, even though his situation was no fun, but he was excited that the goal was being accomplished, that Christ was being preached, and that time in prison was being used by God to do that. That to where even the whole palace guard had heard the gospel. And instead of saying, woe is me, or get me out of here, Paul says, look at what God is doing. Would that be your heart and mine, that we would suffer as Christ did, looking for how God would use it, going through it with continued faithfulness, patience, and obedience, suffering righteously? Will we do that as Christ does, did, and and also as Paul and other great examples that have gone before us have done? There is going to be hardship. There is going to be suffering. In fact, Paul tells his spiritual son Timothy in 2 Timothy 3 that all who live godly will suffer persecution. And we'll see that at different degrees and at different types, but none of us are promised an easy life. We do have a wonderful rest to look forward to in heaven. But in this life, there will be hardship. There will be struggles. Um... And Jesus is clear on that with those who want to follow him, as he would tell in the Gospels, the people that come to ask him if they could follow, they would say, you know, birds have nests, foxes have holes, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. In other words, just no promise of comfort in being a disciple. No comfort in this life as well, or at least. And so, while you'll face difficulties and sufferings and, and persecution, will you commit to following the example of Christ, to put on this mindset of Christ, that I am going to continually, faithfully, and patiently serve my Savior, whatever may come. That in the hardship I won't run away. In the the hardship I will be dependent. In the, the hardship I will look for ways to serve. Look for people that need encouragement. Look for people that need an example. Look for ways that God could be using me here. That's a hard thing to think about, hard thing to uh, to grasp for us. Certainly nothing that we we don't go looking for persecution or suffering, but we know hard things will come. And when they do, will we be ready? We'll be armed with the mindset of Christ. 
to faithfully and patiently and righteously go through whatever hardship may come. I hope that's a challenge and encouragement to you. It certainly makes me think of uh, these things in my own life and certainly ways that we can all learn and grow to patiently and faithfully, obediently and righteously serve our Savior, whatever may come. Again, you can find us on our, our Facebook page or our website, labcjackson.org. You can call us, you can email us. Uh, email might be more reliable with the way things are going as well. I've been studying at home a lot, so uh, easier to get a hold of us there. But we would love to pray with you, love to be an encouragement to you. Uh, and there are loving folks here who would be ready to, again, pray with you, talk with you, and uh, be a help to you in your walk with your Savior. And if you're not even sure, if you know Christ, if you'd be in heaven, uh, if if your time was to come today, come talk to us about that. We'd love for you to know for sure that you've trusted in Christ, in Christ alone, who died for you on the cross and rose again. We don't have to do anything certain. We don't have to be anywhere certain. We don't have to be anybody certain. We simply have to trust in Christ, who died for us and rose again. And he is faithful and just forgive. And we can be excited about that. So again, let us know how we can pray for you, be an encouragement to you, and help you to walk with your Savior, Christ.